Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. So awesome. Well, this morning we are going to get a little further into the Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to invite John Leitzel up. He's a friend. I'm not going to even introduce you, John. This is John, everybody. You guys know John. Um, but let me pray for us as a... Uh, as John comes and speaks. Lord Jesus, we continue to give you praise and continue to turn our eyes on you um, and give you praise with um, not just our lips, but now our ears and our hearts. And so we turn toward you. um, Speak to us from your scripture, um, from your word. Lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's great to be back. Really glad to to be here together. And I, I do find it kind of ironic in a good way that we pray about learning to pray. Right? You know, it's, it's something that we're saying even as we get started. God, we can't do this without you. Or we want to know you. We want to walk with you. We want to have a, a close relationship with you. But we don't know how. Help us. Teach us. We can't do this by ourselves. And as we've been going through the series and working through the Lord's Prayer, kind of as a scaffolding for us in doing that, I get the privilege today of, of taking just a really powerful single line. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. And if you grew up in church here in the U.S., you probably already have this memorized somehow. Uh, And it's a simple sentence where Jesus is in the midst of responding to a request from his disciples. His disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so he says, all right, here's how you do it. Don't make a show in front of other people, but go into a, a place where you can speak to your Father in heaven. And he says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, let your name be hallowed, be held as holy, let it be praised, let your name be lifted up, and your kingdom, oh God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So he starts out with this very God word emphasis, and then in coming weeks, we're going to see as he, I'm jumping over the verse and the line we're going to look at closely this morning. And he he pushes us into our own relationship with God saying, Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so there's this focus and reliance on God. And here in the center of that sandwich is Matthew 6, verse 11, where it says this, give us today our daily bread. Probably be good for us to say that together. Why don't we just acknowledge the Lord and and say that together? Give us today our daily bread. You know, and that's more than breakfast toast. That is an acknowledgement here that we rely on the Lord for everything that we have and everything that we need. And and in this one sentence, it's, it's not a long verse. In this one sentence, Jesus twice emphasizes that this is an ongoing, continuous thing for us. He says, give us today our daily bread. We can't escape that he's saying every single day. Come to your Father for everything you need. Every day, come and ask for what we need. It's not a need that we're going to somehow graduate from. We're not going to ever grow out of 
our need to come to our Father in prayer for everything that we need. God hasn't made us to grow more and more independent from him. He's designed us to grow deeper and deeper independence in our relationship with him. You should know that sin and independence are closely connected to each other and that holiness and dependence are closely connected to each other. And this prayer draws us close to say, today, I need you. Give today what we need for today. So the message I'm bringing to you from this verse today, it's really simple. It's just this. Let's embrace our need. Let's embrace it. I I admit, I've spent a lot of my life trying to escape my need for God. But here in this verse, Jesus is calling each of us to embrace the fact that we need him every single day. It means for you and I that we learn to start to welcome the very things that reveal to us that we can't do it ourselves and that we need to come to the Lord to help us every day. I think there's something, I'm generalizing. I know it's in me, and I'm generalizing that it's in more more of us than just me. That there's something in us that responds well to turn to the Lord in a moment of need and crisis when we know I just can't handle this myself. But then I find I want to kind of get that fixed and get over it and then go on without needing the Lord so much after the crisis. Is that making sense? That there's these moments where like, oh God, I know I need you. But then my, my hope is sort of that he'll fix things and take me back to some version of normal that I'm imagining where I can go through my days just managing stuff on my own. And friends, that is not how God's designed it to be. God's designed us and designed the world that we live in so we come to him and say, give us today our daily bread every day. I think we do a better job of crying out to the Lord in the moment of need than we do with ongoing dependence. Jesus here, though, he's teaching us to come to the Father daily. I think daily is an emphasis for us, but let's not fool ourselves to think that Hey, if I just do, how long does it take to say the prayer? Three seconds? Three seconds of prayer in the morning, I'm good for the day, I check off that box, I go. No, the the prayer is picturing for us a lifestyle of knowing that where I need to turn, where I need to go, for everything I need every day is my Father in heaven. Uh, One of the things I do is help teach some classes for a group of interns, a program, a year-long program that we have for our Chicago churches that's hosted over at Living Word Church. And in the process of being with the young people and the interns, uh, kind of day by day, week by week, you know, we see different things that are going on. And one morning, one of the guys who's taking some university classes kept checking his phone. He kept checking his phone. I'm like, what, what is so important that you're, you're checking your phone here? He's like, I just want to find out if my grade have posted yet from an exam that we had a couple days ago. It hasn't posted yet. So I, I thought, let's talk about faith. And I said... So why does it matter so much to you today that you have to know right now what you got on an exam you took 36 hours ago? Because he was anxious about it. He wasn't sure it went well. And we started talking about where our heart is and how we rely on things. And one of the other interns in the room put her finger on it beautifully. And she said this, 
Well, he's trying to figure out if he has to trust God yet or not. That's us, isn't it? Right? I mean, we're looking at the things we can see and the results we get and the feedback that we get to find out, is this something I'm going to have to trust God for or is this something I can handle because it went okay? And here, this verse that Jesus gives us is really drawing us into a different kind of lifestyle because we live like we have two lists. We have the things that we need to trust God about. And sometimes we actually literally write them down as a prayer list. And then there's everything else that we think, Hey, either that's already taken care of or I can handle that if it comes. I don't feel like I have to trust God for that at the moment. And we're forgetting something. We're forgetting that God has made us to live in complete reliance on him for everything. You know, there's some things we just take for granted. And instead, we need to embrace our dependence and find our freedom in that. So Sarah's going to help me here. One thing that we take for granted is breathing air. Most of us, unless you've got a respiratory problem, haven't been thinking today about the importance of being able to have air to breathe and actually breathing it, right? Is that true? But what if you were 30 feet underwater? Would you be thinking a lot more about air? How many would think much more about air if you're 30 feet underwater? You would, right? And and so Sarah's helping us out. Now, Guys, don't try this at home. She is a certified scuba diver. She knows what she's doing. Here, don't try this at home, folks. What is breathing for us? Breathing is not one more thing on the list, is it? Breathing is part of what we do day after day. And when we're underwater, we realize that it's always a need for us. It's not any less of a need when we're up on land, right? It's just that we become much more aware of how much we need it when we're underwater. Am I making sense? You with me? And so when we put on our scuba gear, we're acknowledging that we need our air. Does that make sense? And so when, let's imagine, picture yourself 30 feet underwater, 10 meters if you're not from the U.S., underwater, and, and think, are you thinking about breathing differently now if you're underwater? Of course you are. All righty. Now, go ahead and breathe. And again, turn on the air Oops. Oops. What do we need to do? We've got to make sure that we, not just that we have the equipment and the formula, but that we actually have the connection open. And, and, and here, I want to emphasize Prayer is not some religious ritual that we add on. If you become a Christian, well, then you're supposed to pray. No, don't hear it that way. Hear this. God has made us and the world with some realities in it. Here's a reality. You and I, we need the Lord. Prayer is how we connect to him to receive the grace that we need each day. And there's two particular things that we want you to remember and recognize from this illustration. It is not how awesome and amazing it is that Sarah is a good scuba diver. It's not that. That's not the point. I I don't want you to just go home and remember, talk to you, hey, remember that time a month ago when John brought his daughter and they did a scuba thing up front? No, hear the point. First and foremost, constant reliance on God. Prayers like breathing, brothers and sisters. 
It's not something that we do sometimes and then don't need other times. Prayer is constant reliance on God. Please don't pray once and think you're done. Jesus is calling us to a lifestyle of praying like breathing, where we rely on God in prayer all the time. Now, secondly, and this is very important that you see it, is that prayer is not the substitute for us doing anything else. Relying on God in prayer is what enables us to do everything else. Do you see the distinction? Because the point of the message today is not, I have to go home and pray more. I have to make more time in every day to pray. Don't hear that. Listen, even if you pray more, the laundry will not magically fold itself and put itself back in the children's dresser drawers. Sorry. Even if you pray more, the the dishes will not magically go from the table to the sink into neatly rows in the dishwasher won't happen. But to do our daily things to the glory of God, we do it all in an attitude of prayer. Can you see those two things? All right. Then let's, do you want to strap yourself down? Great. You know what? Until you're done, nobody's going to pay attention to me. So let me give you a hand. Thanks, dear. Great. Depending on God is not the thing we do because we're broken and we're trying to get fixed so that we don't have to do it anymore. That's not what prayer is. Depending on God is what we do because He's made us for this, He's made us for Himself. He's made us so that we can be close to him and live and move and have our being in him. So please, don't expect to outgrow needing God in prayer. Don't have an an image of spirituality that this is a stepping stone duty. This is the life of faith for us. It's not our need for him every day isn't something that he's supposed to fix for us, nor is it something that we're trying to overcome It's what he's made us for. Embrace your need for the Lord. Don't try to get rid of it, and don't even hide it from each other. Don't please come into Mercy Hill with everything so perfectly okay that you don't need the Lord. Why are you here? Hello? We're here together because we all need the Lord. Whether you grew up in church and your family life is sane and seems normal, or whether you're like most of us where it's not, we need the same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is not a religious ritual. It's how God's made us to be. And I I want us to see that in how it looked in the life of the Apostle Paul. Because it's possible for us to think, well, yeah, I mean, we're just kind of ordinary, regular people. But the Apostle Paul, he was like so close to Jesus that he must not have had to deal with these same sorts of things that we do. But if you take a look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, we're going to see that... We have very similar situations and challenges as he does and vice versa. He's, he's been serving the Lord and trying to do things God's way, and yet he's got troubles. And, and he's, I'm just picking up in verse 8, where he, he talks specifically about how he's prayed to the Lord about situational trouble in his life. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And there's an earnestness to what he's describing there. 
Perhaps each, what is a time? Maybe each time was a week or a month of fasting and prayer. We don't know because he doesn't give us the details. But there's something earnest and it's serious and it's repeated in his efforts to call out to the Lord and say, God, would you just change this so that I don't have to deal with it anymore? And many of us are in similar sorts of situations. Whether it's praying for 25 years for a sister or whether it's a chronic health problem or relationship difficulties, we cry out to the Lord. We say, God, won't you change this for me? But listen to what God says. Paul says, I was asking God for that, but, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? He's not done. It's not sufficient for you full stop. Sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul then responds to that. I think that's where you and I really need the rubber to meet the road in our lives. When we're praying for God to change something, and he says instead, no, I'm going to be enough for you in this situation because it's in your weakness that my power is really made perfect. Paul does something with his faith right here where he says, okay, God. I'm not just going to accept that. I'm going to embrace it. And I'm going to say, okay, if that's the way it is, God, then what should I do? I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, not my sake, not my own sake, not my enjoyment, not my comfort, not my ease, but for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. And that profession of faith and that perspective on faith is completely countercultural to the mindset of what we think power and success and victory is supposed to look like in our world. But what Paul is modeling shouldn't surprise us because we serve a crucified Savior who's on a throne. The one who did not scorn to die a shameful death on a cross, to take our place and to bring us close to the Father, that we would also find his power made perfect in the very times that we feel like we're at the cross ourselves. Does that make sense? But the reality for me and probably for you Delighting in my weaknesses is not something that comes naturally. It's what I resist, not what I want to welcome and embrace. Uh, This week, I learned in some fresh ways, rather painfully, uh, how true that is about me because I had a a bad go of of lower back cramps, uh, you know, where just muscles just locked up and felt like I can't move and everything hurts to move around. Some of you guys know what that's like. And And here's what I discovered about myself, is I realized I'm responding to this trouble, feeling like my body has betrayed me. And I want to be in control of being able to do everything I want to do. And my body that's not cooperating is betraying me right now. Instead of me responding to it by saying something else, something, for example, like, I probably should have been stretching more, like my wife said I should have been doing. And that since I haven't been taking care of my body, 
then of course this is what's going to happen. Instead, my internal reaction was anger and frustration that I'm not able to do what I want to get done. I get upset when things get in my way of all the things I'm trying to get done. I don't like being slowed down, and I don't like having to manage this problem. Okay, in a situation like that, which has been real for me this week, how, how do I live out this kind of thing that Jesus is talking about? Lord, give, give me today my daily bread. How do I delight in my weaknesses? When I hate my weaknesses, and they're in my way, and I'm not able to get things done. How do I come to my Father for daily bread in this? And I want to give you just a, kind of three simple pointers on it. The, the first step, let's, let's go ahead and put that slide up. The first step is, I've got to admit my dependence. I have to actually admit and accept that I need the Lord and I can't do it all myself. That's what Paul means when he says, I'll boast in my weakness. He says, I'm going to make much of the Lord's sufficiency and very little of my own capability. Does that make sense? So the first thing I have to do is admit. I've got to admit my weakness and admit my dependence. Amen? What's the second one? You can read. Got to ask. Ask who? You know, sometimes that comes hard for us because many times the natural first response that, that I have trouble is figure out how to fix it. I look to all kinds of resources and getting down on my knees and asking my father in heaven comes later down the list when other things don't pan out. But to admit as a first step and ask as my next step, ask for God's grace and supply. To actually seek the Lord in my need and situation. And what's the third one? To act. Act like what? Well, act like I still need him. That's somewhat different than acting like it's fixed and like I don't need him anymore. Does that make sense? To continue to actually live out what I'm acknowledging, what I'm admitting and asking. Don't revert to self-reliance. Often it's the third step where the cycle breaks for us. We're like, okay, God, I need you in this situation right now, and God, come and help me. And then we think that faith looks like saying it's settled and it's fixed, and if I just believe God enough, I won't have to deal with it anymore. When in fact, Jesus says, pray like this, give us today our daily bread. Live in a day-to-day -day dependence on the Lord. And so act like it means act like I still need his help. Don't lose your dependence when things get better, but keep relying on him day by day by day. Amen? See, prayer is not a technique. Well, let me get to that in a minute. Let me tell you another thing that happened this week. How we respond to bad news does matter because it, it comes all of our way. Uh, this week, I, two of my friends were diagnosed with cancer. In each case, pretty severe. And, and it provided a window for me. How do I respond to bad news? This week, it's very bad news about two friends that are dear to me. Uh, but bad news comes in all kinds of forms, and it comes to each of us. Whether you had a, a week of bad news this week or whether you had uh, a good week without bad news, you know, those weeks come. And we each get our bad news in varieties of shapes and sizes. For me, getting the news about each of my friends, it felt like you know, 
kind of like a, a left jab followed by a right hook, uh, really a one-two punch. Um, and there's an emotional content component to how I respond to how each of us respond to bad news. Uh, I mean, it's hard. I don't want it to be this way. I, I look and I think, particularly for these two people, I think it shouldn't happen this way. It's not like you can point to a whole list of causal factors and say, well, really, you know, that's the kind of thing that probably should happen. You know, it's out of the blue and a surprise. And what's happening to them? Why is it happening to them? What about their families? You got grandchildren in one case and a young, young son in another case. And then it gets personal. Like, what if, that, what if that was me or my wife? What then? How do we handle that? And... I don't know, maybe you've had bad news this very week. And it's still today that the Lord's inviting you to come to your Father and say, give us today our daily bread. Today. We need, and he's faithful to provide, daily bread for us. Because prayer does not necessarily prevent bad things from coming our way. It doesn't put up a shield that prevents bad news from coming into our lives. But it enables us to go through these bad things to the glory of God. So I, I want you to remember Sarah and her scuba tank. It's because it ena prayer enables us to go through in the provision of God to the glory of God. And so when bad news comes our way, what do we do? We come to our Father for daily bread. Can I have the slide again of our ask, admit, ask, and act? We come to our Father for daily bread. And what do we do? What's the first thing I need to do? I need to admit, Lord, I need you in this situation. Of course, my friends who have cancer, of course they need you. Of course, you know, I want to pray for them. But I also need to recognize I need to come to my Father for daily bread, to be the friend for them, to relate in an emotionally healthy way with my Father in heaven and to go through this. So I admit, I can't fix their cancer. I wish I could change their situation, and I can't. But Lord, you can. Lord, you're able. You're enough. I need you. There's nothing I can do here, but you, Lord, can do it. So then we ask. We say, oh, God, won't you move in power? God, won't you supply from heaven the grace and the healing and the, everything that's needed for every member of these families and for all of us? And then don't just check off the box and say, well, I prayed for them. All right, now I get to go on with my healthy life. No, we remain in a place of reliance on the Lord, independence, whatever news comes our way. Are you seeing that? See, prayer is not the technique that we use to pressure God into doing something for us. Prayer is how we experience our connection to what God's already done for us in Christ. I say this because many times I hear people, like when someone has a friend with cancer situation, they'll say things like this. I've had people say to me, oh, we need all the prayers we can get. Guys, let's watch our perspective here. Prayer is not our way of accumulating enough box tops to get the prize back from Heaven's Redemption Center. Prayer is how we come near to the God who already has it in control, who already has it all together. Jesus has already accomplished on the cross, through the cross, our full redemption, and we experience the sufficiency of his grace as we come and depend on him in prayer. 
Let me leave you with one, one final verse here that illustrates this. It's in Romans chapter 5, where Paul is trying to help us understand that Jesus once for all has accomplished enough for us to have everything that we need. And he makes a contrast between the first man, Adam, and, and the new creation that comes through Christ. And so he says, for if by the trespass of the one man, and there he's saying, because Adam sinned. That's just a different way of saying, hey, because Adam sinned, what happened? Death came into the world, and death has been in control for so many generations ever since. If by the trespass of the one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man, now he's making a contrast to look at Jesus. He says, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Every day we come, and he has enough. Every day we come to him, and he has what we need because he's broken the rule of death. He has broken the power of sin, and through his death and resurrection, he's opened heaven to us to receive his abundant provision of grace and of his gift of righteousness. We have a crucified Savior who's on the throne. And whenever we come to our Father, whenever we come to pray, wherever we come to ask for daily bread, we know that Jesus is alive and he's on his throne. And this, but this abundant provision of grace, do you know how it comes? Day by day by day. The abundant provision and supply of grace that the Lord has, his very gift of righteousness, it comes, give us today our daily bread. Whether it's because we have friends that we're concerned about and we say, God, I don't have anything to give them. Give me today my daily bread. Whether you're in a day-to-day -day situation, you're like, I don't know how many more days I can keep doing this. Well, today, the grace of God is here to say, Lord, give me today the grace I need for today. And tomorrow, here's the good news. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that tomorrow morning when you wake up, there will not be one drop less supply of provision of grace than there was today. As God pours out his grace into our lives, not only will he never run out, it will never make even a dip in how much grace he has to provide to you and to me. This is good news. And this is why you and I, we come to him every day, throughout the day, to receive the grace we need. Inhale, exhale, repeat as necessary. Amen? And as we do that, we can live what the Apostle Paul said. Sorry, what the Lord said to the Apostle Paul. He says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Don't deny your weakness. Don't, don't try to escape our need for the Lord. Embrace your need and come close. Because that's why Jesus taught us to pray. Give us today our daily bread. This daily bread of the grace we need for life and the righteousness we find in Christ. You know, communion is a picture of that for us. It's a means of grace by which we're drawn in today, this morning together as, as a family. Say, Lord, I need you. You are enough for me. You are today the very one, the very thing that I need. It shows us God's supply. It shows us the sufficiency of Christ alone. It shows us God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. So we're going to share communion together now. 
And Luke is going to come up and lead us in that. And just before we do, let's draw near in prayer. Let's admit and let's ask, and then let's commit to living like that as we go forward. Lord, we need you. Lord, it seems like there's something in us that doesn't want to admit that or acknowledge that, that wants to come to you with so much more to present about what we've been able to do for you instead of just what we need you to do for us. But Lord, we admit that in the day-to-day moments of our life, God, the things that we think are within our capability, that really, God, we can only do it because of your power working in and through us. So Lord, we ask you for your provision of grace for today, for the righteousness that's ours in Christ that lets us boldly approach your throne and the power of your Holy Spirit that enables us to glorify you in every situation today, God. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that your power would flow from heaven today, God, in every situation that feels too hard for us to bear, God, in every situation that we don't know how we're going to be able to manage to get through today on. Lord, let your grace be perfected, your power revealed, your grace enough in our own weakness. In Jesus' precious name. Because, Lord, we don't want to just get up from here and go out as if we can keep doing it ourselves. We want to act as people who rely on you all the time. Amen. Luke. Thank you, John. I want to read a psalm, Psalm 63. Um, uh, David, in the, in, the, in the psalms, often just really models what John was just talking about, just utter dependence. In this Psalm 63, I'm going to read the whole thing as we're passing out the communion um, elements. I'm going to read the whole thing because, because you see him wrestling with a real-life situation. It's, it's a real thing that he's dealing with. He's in the desert. He's probably being attacked by evil people. There's some hard stuff going on, right? So here's what David says. He says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glorify in him, while the mouth of liars will be silenced. So we're going to sing this song, um, Lord, I Need You. And just in the spirit of what David just shared there, let's just declare our dependence on the Lord.